You are now listening to BCC Sermons. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're starting a new series called Sideline, and the title of this message is The Fear of Rejection. And to be real honest with you, I got an unsettling feeling when I typed out the title of this message on my computer on Monday when I was preparing this sermon, because this idea of the fear of rejection, just to be real transparent with you, man, I have battled this idea for a really long time in my life. This fear of rejection, it has driven so much insecurity in me throughout the years that, man, it has kept me on the sidelines of different things in my life. And maybe I thought, you know, there's a lot of people who this fear of rejection has maybe sidelined you. Because it immobilizes gifted people from ever stepping out because it causes us to wonder this question. This is the question we ask over and over again. Am I good enough? It causes us to always wonder, am I good enough? Because we know that this fear of rejection, it doesn't come from God. Like, that's pretty apparent. This doesn't come from God. But at the same time, to be real honest, I mean, maybe you're like me. I've, I've prayed. I've quoted scripture. I've talked until I've worn my friends and especially my spouse out. Um, and if this isn't from God, then how do we move past it? So that's what I want us to talk about. Because this idea of rejection... It's painful, and every one of us will be affected by rejection, but we don't have to be directed by rejection. We can be affected by it, but we don't have to be directed by it, and you can know that that's true because it kind of rhymes, right? We'll all be affected by rejection, but we don't have to be directed by rejection. The fear of rejection, it can immobilize us and keep us from ever attempting anything significant from God, because there's something that fuels this concept. There's something that fuels this idea of rejection. If you really boil it down to what is fueling this concept of rejection, the fear of rejection is fueled by a fear ultimately of loss. And that's really what is fueling this. Let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter 1, if you have your Bible this morning. As we go over to uh, 2 Timothy there's a really famous verse, you know, within 2 Timothy, this idea of God has given us a spirit of fear, and we're going to read that verse. But as we read that verse, I want us to have the context of it and what's happening here. Because Paul, the apostle, is writing to young Timothy, and he's addressing the issue of fear within Timothy's life that's obviously holding him back from doing the things that God has called him to do and positioned him to do where he was ministering there in Ephesus. There are things that are keeping Timothy's gifts at bay. There are things that are discouraging Timothy. There are things that are frustrating him, things that he's feeling limited by. And so Paul addresses these things, and the way that he encourages him is very interesting because normally, man, if I'm feeling discouraged, I want you to come to me and make me feel better. And instead, Paul points to these different things that have already been invested in Timothy to help him remember who he is and whose he is. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, let's read through verse 14. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. 
I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believed, and I am not convinced that he is able, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So here, man, Timothy, we can kind of reverse engineer this, right? And hear the words of Paul. And we can hear that Timothy is in this season of struggle because Paul's trying to get him off of the sidelines. He's trying to get him to recognize a few things. He's trying to get him back into the game. And Timothy was a very young minister, and he had obviously been dealing with some issues of criticism. He'd been dealing with some issues of intimidation. And he obviously, through other scriptures, we can ascertain that he was dealing with criticism from people who were much older than him because Paul says, don't let people look down on you because of your youth. And Paul reminded Timothy that the Holy Spirit was in him, that he had been gifted by God, that he had a heritage of faith, that there had been an intentional deposit in him. And he also was trying to compare the fact that, listen, Timothy, I'm suffering for the sake of the gospel. I'm actually in prison. So like, this is not unique to you. This isn't something where you're being picked on or something that's just specifically to you personally. But man, I am suffering in my struggles as well. And I am going through these things, but I'm doing it because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's telling Timothy, listen, it's worth it. I'm still, I'm still suffering, but I'm not ashamed. I'm not letting this intimidate me. I'm still moving forward. And so this, these things I've said, these things you've seen me do, like follow that pattern, follow those types of things. Look at that. Paul reminded Timothy that he was gifted and he reminded him to take responsibility for the gift of God that was on the inside of him. Paul reminded Timothy that it was not something in and of himself that he needed, but rather it was God in Timothy. That's what he truly needed to trust in, not anything that he possessed on his own. So it wasn't like, man, Timothy, you've got a really great personality and you know, you, you've, you've really developed some great skills, you know, lean on that. No, you, know, you need to depend on all of those things. No, he's saying, no, actually, Timothy, Remember what you were taught. Remember the example that was set before you. Remember how you were trained. 
remember that the Holy Spirit's in you and you've been given a gift. And he tells him to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of him. He said, you remember when I laid my hands on you? You remember when I prayed for you? You remember how God gifted you, how God called you? He said, stir that up, stir that up. And that word there, to stir up, is actually, it's, that phrase is just one Greek word, the Greek word anazopureo, and that word is a three-part compound word that simply means to make the fire alive again. And so what Paul's telling him is, listen, Timothy, it's your responsibility to anazopuro this thing. It's your responsibility to make the fire alive because I'm not going to come to you again and lay my hands on you again. I've already laid my hands on you. I've already prayed for you. You've already been commissioned. Your grandmother and your mother, as great of women of faith as they were, they're not going to come and keep giving you more things and more words and, 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 and telling you more things because, listen, it's already on the inside of you. It's just your responsibility now to stir up the gift that's already there to make that fire alive again. Timothy, I want you to see that. I want you to see that there's going to be all sorts of obstacles, all sorts of things. Look at the challenge that I'm in. He's, he's trying to help Timothy see, listen, I'm writing this letter to you from prison. I'm writing this letter to you from being captive myself. And I'm wanting you to see and understand, man, that you have to find the reason why to keep moving forward. Because this fear thing, this intimidation that's keeping your gifts sidelined, it's not from God. Because God hasn't given you this thing. This is not from him. These are the types of gifts that he gives, you know, spirit of love, power, and self-control. It's not anything from God, this fear, this intimidation. And your gifts are meant for the glory of God and are from God. And I love this idea because what it helps us to understand is that, listen, I am not the answer to the challenges that I face. So many people want to look within to themselves, and they think that what they need to overcome the challenges and the intimidation in their life that may keep them sidelined, they think that they need some better version of themselves. And so they look to somehow enhance or improve themselves, and some people may even look at Jesus as a pathway to improve oneself. And so it's almost like they think they can use Jesus to make a better version of themselves because really what they think they need is a better version of themselves. But that's not what we need, folks. What we need is Christ and Christ alone. He is sufficient, not you. It's not you needing you 2.0 and then all of a sudden Jesus helps out a little bit along the way. No, what we need is a greater dependence on Jesus. What we need is a greater dependence on his spirit. What we need is a greater dependence on what has already been invested in us. And it's up to us to stir it up. It's up to us to make it alive again, amen? Just like Paul's telling Timothy, hey, make this fire alive again. He's putting the onus on Timothy, the responsibility on Timothy. I'm not gonna come lay hands on you again. Your grandma and your mama ain't coming. <laughs> I, 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 listen, they're great women. They invested a lot in you, but it's your responsibility to make this fire alive again. And he tells him, Paul tells Timothy, man, remember the gospel, Remember the goodness of the gospel. Remember the gospel of Jesus Christ that you have received because of his great grace that you did nothing to earn that or deserve that. So now all of a sudden did you think that you could somehow uh, get to this point in this journey and now God's going, okay, I hope you can figure it out from here, Timothy. 
I hope you can figure it out from here. No, no, no. God has led you to this point, and he's going to lead you through the season that you're in because he doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He walks with us. Amen. And we're following his leading. We're following his guidance, and we're trusting in him because he is sufficient, not me. You see, scripture says that it's Christ in me, the hope of glory, not me in me, the hope of glory. And so when we begin to look to ourselves and we're trying to fix things in ourselves, are we somehow drifting away from the very thing that we need that we already have? And this thing that's keeping us sidelined, this thing that's keeping us out of the game, it could be anything. It could be your health. It could be uh, something that seems overwhelming, something that's intimidating you. It could be hurt from the past that's keeping you sidelined. And maybe at one time you were really passionate for the things of God. Maybe at one time you were really seeking out what God wanted you to do with your life and you felt like you were on the right path. You felt like you were really pursuing doing something for God with your life. You felt a purpose, you felt a focus, you felt an energy and an excitement around even gathering with other believers. You were the type of person that were, were, was looking for an opportunity to get involved, to get plugged in with other believers and to serve and to love on the body of Christ and to reach the lost. That was a priority. Something was stirred in your heart and, and maybe that stirring came from a variety of ways. Maybe it was from an example of someone you saw. Maybe it was from uh, your parents or grandparents like young Timothy. Maybe you had a Paul in your life who's mentoring you, who invested in you. Maybe it was just through something that the Spirit of God did on the inside of you, stirred you up in a moment. And man, you're really fired up and ready to serve, ready to give, ready to get involved, ready to get plugged in. And you were like, man, where are lost people at? I want to go find them and bring them all to Jesus. And we've, we, we, we can come to those places of motivation, inspiration, uh, those places of conviction where, man, we're really caring at this moment about prayer in our lives more than we ever have. And we feel convicted to pray and we feel drawn to pray. And, man, we just want to spend time in prayer. And, and, and there's so many things that, that God has done in us and through us. But then obstacles come in the way of our pursuit of what God has put in our heart to do. All those obstacles show up. It could be disappointment and something that happens in the context of church where you experience church wounds, where you experience church hurt, where you experience disappointment or frustration. And those types of things will keep you sidelined because you're waiting on something to change until things all of a sudden get set in the order that you want them to and then you'll get off the sidelines. Sometimes it's because other people have disappointed you and let you down. Someone that you put a lot of faith in, someone you put a lot of hope in, all of a sudden they fail or maybe you saw a little bit of their humanity and you saw that they were, they were frail just like you were, and you had put them up on this pedestal, and now because you put your hope in people, you're just so disappointed and hurt that you don't ever wanna trust people again. You don't ever wanna trust in maybe people in authority or people in leadership again because you're carrying around these burdens, you're carrying around these wounds. Maybe you stepped out into something and you tried and you attempted something for God and maybe you fell flat on your face and it didn't go the way you thought it would. Maybe your expectations weren't met because you were thinking, if I just say yes to this, oh, it's going to be so exciting all the time. It's going to be so great all the time. It's going to be easy. It's just going to, I'm going to be around people who are just as passionate as me. And then you got disappointed because you had unrealistic expectations. Maybe something got in the way. Maybe it was some temptation 
that pulled you away from the things of God, something that pulled you over to the sidelines. Maybe it was some vice from your past, or maybe it was your reputation that you weren't able to embrace this newness of life because people were still holding you to that thing that you used to do or you used to be known for and you felt like people were holding you back and so you just gave in and said, well, if this is how everyone's just gonna see me and hold me to my past, then I guess I'm just gonna see myself the same way. The enemy will use all of these types of tactics and more to try to get you off of the mission that God has called you to, to try to douse that fire and passion of God within you with water to try to kill that flame, to try to kill that fire of God that's been stirred up on the inside of you. I was in youth ministry um, for the first seven years of my pastoral ministry, and in that seven years, I had the opportunity to take kids to a lot of really cool events and camps and all sorts of things, man, that were focused on prayer and worship and, and, and just getting deep in the word and getting on fire for God. And it never failed, man. We'd come back from those events and people would just be like jacked up, like, I want to go stand on my lunch table and just proclaim the gospel at my school, you know? And kids were just feeling radical, man. I mean, I'll never forget when we got back from one of the youth events that I took the students to, they were so excited. They came to me and they said, Pastor Derek, we want to pray every morning before school. Can we gather in our youth room? We'll, we'll, we'll drive up here, have our parents bring us whatever before school. And we would meet at 6.30 every single day for like a month. And we prayed until it was time for them to leave to go to school. And we were just praying for their schools, praying for their families, praying for their parents. And then one day these things just kind of just kind of go by the wayside. That fire, that passion. I'm going to get in my Bible every day, man. I'm really going to devour these things. I'm really going to, I'm going to start sharing my faith. All those passions, they start to kind of fade away. And we've had those experiences, right? If you've ever been like on a short-term mission trip or you've done something really cool, like uh, served with a lot of people, maybe on some outreach project, everybody's just like, man, let's do this again, Right? And it feels incredible, especially you go overseas, like on a short-term mission trip or out of the country, you come back, you're like, we're going to bring this back to our city, right? And then all of a sudden things get in the way. Now, now here's the thing. We can get really excited. We can get really pumped up. And I understand that we come back and we have to figure out how to navigate the, the, the regular rhythms of our life. But at the same time, we don't have to just simply walk away from the thing that God has done in us, we may not always be up on that high mountaintop place, and that's okay. Because what some people do is they go and they chase for the next like mountaintop experience. Oh man, I'm pumped up, I'm excited. And, they, and then they begin to kind of, you know, just get less and less excited. And I'm trying, I feel guilty because I'm not as excited as I used to be, and I feel like I should be. And they go like chase after that next experience and that next mountaintop. And you're not always supposed to be up on the mountaintop. I mean, the scripture never says you're always going to be on the mountaintop. You're going to go and have those mountaintop experiences. But man, you're, you're going to go back down that mountain and you're going to go back into that valley, right? Some of you know all about that experience. And it's about still trusting in God, not trusting in how I may feel at that moment. Still pursuing him, still stirring myself up, being around other believers who are sharpening me and who are stirring me up and keeping through the whole time, no matter how I feel, no matter what people may do to me, how much they may let me down, what, uh, if, if my preferences aren't met, if my expectations aren't met, still making the priority 
I'm going to trust in what Jesus has called me to and keep moving forward and not allow your disappointments to sideline you, not allow the hurt to sideline you, not allow even your maybe lack of feeling excited to sideline you because what God has called us to church is bigger than a feeling. It's bigger than an experience. It's bigger than an individual that you may look up to or look to uh, for different things in your life. All these things can change, but God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, amen? Amen. And because of that, we can trust in him leading us and guiding us. And if he gave us something and put something in us and it's genuinely from God, then he has a purpose for what he's done in you. And he doesn't want you to sit on the sidelines with those gifts. He didn't give you a gift and stir you up in that moment just for fun. And then all of a sudden, it just goes away. No, he's, done, he's doing something in you. And, and I like to explain it this way because some people are always trying to figure things out, right? This is how people work all the time, right? They're trying to figure life out and they're trying to figure out you know, the destination so they can make sure they're making the right steps in order to get there. And so many of us are trying to figure out like our destination. And instead of looking at it like I'm trying to figure everything out at once, then I want us to look at it more of, here's a, here's a fresh example for you. Uh, let's look at it more like Christmas lights. We've all just recently dealt with Christmas lights at some level, you know, maybe. And there's something about Christmas lights that drives me nuts. If one of those little boogers goes out, what happens to all the other ones down the string? They all go out too. And then the hunt begins. Which one is the one I need to replace to light the rest of the strand? And sometimes God will give you enough light in that journey of life and enough clarity and enough stirring and gifting to give you direction to take a step. But then, if things don't go the way we want, then all of a sudden we just stop. And it's like pulling out the bulb and the rest of the strand just goes dark. But church, we have to be obedient in the step that God has called us in. The last thing you were stirred to do, the last thing God put in your heart to do, I want to encourage you, stir up that gift and keep doing that thing until the next light lights up because one light lights another and then the next step and then take that step and be faithful in that step and doing what God has put in you to do until he opens up the door and illuminates that next step. Don't worry about having to figure it all out and knowing the end destination in the beginning. It's a journey, amen? And it's trusting in God because Timothy's like, I don't know how it's all gonna work out. I'm discouraged. Timothy's like, I'm intimidated. I don't know how everything's gonna work out. I'm scared for all of this. I don't know what to do. And Paul is like writing to him from prison and he's like, I love you. I've been mindful of you. I've been crying over you and over these situations that I've heard about. He said, I've been mindful of you with my tears. Paul said, I've been crying over you with this, but I want to remind you to serve God because I served God the way that my ancestors did. And guess what? You have a heritage of faith on the inside of you. What is Paul doing? He's reminding Timothy of who he is and whose he is. He's reminding him of the deposit that was placed in him through his mother and his grandmother. He said, man, there's faith in you because those women deposited that in you. They invested that in you. And he said, and not only that, Timothy, but do you remember that time when I laid my hands on you? 
You remember what God did in those moments when I laid my hands on you? Man, you, you have a gift on the inside of you from God. The Holy Spirit of God is on the inside of you, Timothy. So because of this, he says, I'm going to remind you to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. And don't give in to this fear thing. This isn't of God. This isn't something God sent your way to, to test you or temper you because fear doesn't come from God. This isn't something from God. God doesn't give us this spirit unto fear, but he's given you actually spirit of love because love, perfect love, it casts out all fear. Amen, church? And, and, and he's given you a spirit of, of power, that is from God, not that is from you. It's his spirit in you. And so he's trying to remind Timothy, trust the greater one in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory, not you in you. And it's greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world, not greater is me that's in me. You see, God hasn't abandoned you. God hasn't left what he's done in you just to sit there. No, and here's the beautiful part of that text is that he tells a man that thing that's on the inside of you it has the potential to be made alive again. Are you hearing this this morning, church? You see, what God has done in you has the potential to be made alive again. What God has worked in your heart, what God has deposited on the inside of you, it's bigger than anything the enemy could try to use to snuff it out. He could try to pluck all of those lights out of the string. But can I tell you that he can't take away the power? That he can't take away what God has done on the inside of you? You may feel intimidated and it may have put you on the sidelines. It may, maybe you're, you've made some mistakes along the way. You feel like you've been sidelined. Maybe you feel like you missed it. Maybe you feel like, oh, if I would have made different decisions when I was younger or when I was in this situation or that situation. If God has put it on the inside of you, it is for a purpose. And it is for a reason. The fear of rejection is fueled by a fear of loss. And when we live in this fear of rejection, we're really trying to protect or preserve something that we think we had a hand in acquiring. I want you to get this. We are trying to protect or we're trying to preserve something we think we had a hand in acquiring. And here's how you can be free from the fear of rejection. We must start with the belief that every good and perfect gift comes from God, not from us. So if it's his and if it's from him, then what am I afraid of losing? So many people are afraid of losing something and that's why we live in this fear of rejection because we're afraid of what we're gonna lose so we try to hold on tight to it. We try to hold on tight so it won't slip out of our hands. We try to hold tight on to people. We try to hold on tight to traditions. We try to hold on tight to our comfort. We try to hold tight on to things that make us feel secure because we're afraid of losing it because we think we had something to do with acquiring it. And really what we're saying is, God, I've got to this place because of what I've done. And if I don't hold on tight to this, then I'm afraid I'm going to lose it. What if I step out in faith again? What if I get hurt again? And God is trying to help us see what you have and every good and perfect gift that you have been given and everything that's been invested in you. It's not from you and it's not of you. So why are you afraid of losing something that's not even yours? And if it truly is a passion that God has stirred up in you, if it truly is a gift that God has put on the inside of you, your job is to trust and obey. 
not to try to hold on to something that's from God because listen, you did nothing to acquire it so therefore it is a gift from God. So why would we sit on it? Why would we sit on the sidelines when God has gifted us and invested in us? Let's go over to James 1.17 real quick. James 1 and 17 says, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Listen, everything around you may change, but man, if it's from God, he's, he's not going to change that on you. Because he's saying, if, it, if this is really a gift from God, every good and perfect gift comes from God. The stuff you already need is in you and it's from God because it's not you. It's not a better version of you. It's not more waiting until someone tells you you're good enough. It's not someone telling you, okay, you're good enough. No, it's God illuminating and showing you that first step you need to take and being obedient and faithful until you have the next thing clear and you take that next step and you trust in him. And here's our big idea for today, and I want you to get this, church. Christ in you is enough. That truth brings freedom from the fear of rejection. I want you to think about this because Christ in you is enough. Not Christ in you plus everything going your way. Not Christ in you plus everyone liking you for everything you do and thinking every decision you make is fantastic. Nope, nope. And, and listen, and it's not Christ in you gets you those things either. Don't misunderstand what Christ is trying to do in you and through you. Some people view Christ as a way to get things they want. And so I want Jesus so I can get other things. And they look at Jesus as the pathway to get those other things. And so, oh yeah, I'll trust in Jesus so I can get that thing that I feel like brings me security. For some people, it's money. I'll use Jesus and the scripture to get me money because ultimately money makes me feel secure. And if Jesus will help me get money, then I'll use Jesus to get money. And no one would say it that raw, but ultimately, do you feel secure when things are going well financially and when they're not? Is Jesus enough? Whether things are going well for you financially or not. Some people put their security in their health. And as long as I'm healthy... Then I feel secure, I feel safe. Well, what happens when you get a bad diagnosis? What happens when you get sick? Well, Jesus will, will, will give me health, therefore Jesus will give me the thing I need to be secure. No, whether you're healthy or not, if you have Jesus, you are secure. Are you hearing me this morning? Because Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough, whether I, I, whether I get financial blessing, whether I, whether I get physical healing in my body, if, if I get those things in my life, wonderful. But it's not those things that I place my trust in. It's not whether or not I have those things and it doesn't determine how much faith I have if I have a, a, a plenty of that or if I have a lack in that. Jesus is still enough, amen? What about if other people like you? Man, if Jesus will just help other people like me, whoo, man, that would be great. So Lord, would you just give me just favor with every single person that I see? I don't see that in scripture because Jesus himself said that a lot of people are going to hate you. And the reason they're going to hate you is because you follow me. Jesus told his disciples that. So, is Jesus only enough when everybody likes me? 
Or is Jesus enough whether everyone hates me or everyone likes me? It doesn't matter. And maybe sometimes I do get supernatural favor in certain instances and God does maybe open up some doors, but it's ultimately going to be for his glory, not for me putting my security in the fact that someone likes me. Because Jesus doesn't want me to put my security in whether people like me or not, in whether I'm healthy, whether I feel secure because I've got enough money in the bank. Jesus doesn't want me to divert my focus and my security to those things. Jesus wants me to only look to him because he's sufficient. So you can take everything in this world from me, but you can't take Jesus. I like the old song that says the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. Amen, somebody. The world didn't give me Jesus and the world can't take it away. So therefore, everything I need is wrapped up and hidden in Christ. So therefore, who should I fear? If God is for me, who can be against me? Because now I realize the greater one lives on the inside of me and I can lose everything that this world would try to offer me. But I should not be sidelined because things aren't going my way. I can still keep pursuing him. Doesn't mean it won't be hard. Doesn't mean there won't be times where, man, I feel exhausted, but I have to pick myself up, stir myself up because it's my responsibility to remember God has put his spirit on the inside of me. God has given me his gift. So if, if people hurt me, disappoint me, let me down, if I get frustrated in the way things are going or not going, it's not an excuse for me to sit on the sidelines. It is not a justification for me to sit on the sidelines. If you are offended, it is not justification for you to sit on the sidelines from what God has called you to do. You have to get that right, amen? You have to repent, reconcile, forgive. You can't be swollen up with your arms folded on the sidelines because things aren't going your way. That's not honoring to God, that's not pleasing to God, that's selfish. God, rid us of our selfishness. Rid us of our pride so we can with humility serve you and serve one another and not depend on ourselves, not look to ourselves, not, not wait. Well, when everything's going my way in life, then Lord, I'm all yours. But until then, I'm mad. How selfish. We have to repent of those things, church. We have to move forward in what God's called us to do because eternity is a lot more important than me getting my way. Eternity is a lot more important and making sure people hear the gospel, amen? It's more important than my comfort. It's more important than what I like or dislike or, or how far down the road I can see what's the last thing God told you to do. What's the last thing you were stirred to do? What's the thing that you know you're gifted to do? And why are you sitting on your gifts? Why are you keeping that from impacting eternity? Evaluate your heart this morning. What has the enemy tried to use to distract you, to discourage you, to sideline you? Is it this fear of rejection? Is it this intimidation thing? Is it this thing that's overwhelming you? That you're looking to yourself and God is wanting you to stir yourself up today to stir up the gift of God. This is beautiful. <laughs> Listen to this. To stir up the gift of God in you means to activate what's already there. Think about this. It's to activate what's already there. Some of you, man, 
you, you have been doing some dynamic things for the kingdom of God and then something happened in your life and boom, you stopped. I want to encourage you today to stir up the gift. Some of you were trucking along, man, and you found joy in the journey. You were so full of joy serving Jesus. And then something happened and boom, a lie was shared and you believed it. Someone hurt you, someone disappointed you. Whatever it was, you were offended. Boom, you hit a wall. Doesn't mean all of a sudden you should stop using your gifts. Doesn't all of a sudden mean that you should sit on the sidelines. No, no, no. Christ in you is enough. And that brings freedom from the fear of rejection. Church, for us to answer the call that God has given us, the call that is bigger than Sunday, that's bigger than Bettendorf, that's going to impact generations beyond our lifetime, we must get off the sidelines. Because to reach the next generation, it's going to take a commitment like no other generation before. It's going to take us committing to serve him, to push past the busyness, to push past the excuses, and to jump in. Church, the most important part of our gathering on the weekend is when you, the church, leave these doors. When you leave these doors, because when the church is mobilized to influence these cities for the kingdom of God, we cannot be afraid of what we're going to lose. We cannot be afraid of what people are going to say. We can't be desperately trying to hold on to something that was never ours to begin with, that didn't come from us, that is truly God's. We can't be afraid of what people will say. We truly have to step out and trust God with what he's called us to do. And so I want to ask you, what fear has been keeping you on the sidelines? What fear has been keeping you from saying yes to following Jesus? If maybe you're here today and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. What fear has kept you from obeying his drawing as he's been drawing you to himself? What, what, what's keeping you back? What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? What, what's been keeping you back from your calling? What's been keeping you back from knowing him more through his word and obeying him? Maybe you're here today and maybe you're watching online and perhaps the Holy Spirit of God is stirring you to finally say yes to that drawing, that calling. I want to invite you at the end of our time together, man, we are going to have prayer partners up here at the front. Matter of fact, if you're on a prayer team, why don't you just go ahead and come up here, just stand on the sides. I would appreciate that. These folks are going to be over here on the side. They're going to be available. They, they would love to pray with you. If you're watching online, reach out to our moderator. We have someone actively in there. Reach out to them. We want to pray with you. We want you to follow Jesus today. If perhaps today, maybe you're at a crossroads and you're struggling with letting something go, and you don't really either know what your next step is or you're afraid to take it because you've already predetermined in your mind how it's going to go. you got to let go of that. Because you can't control the outcome, church. It's not your job to control the outcome. And only step out when perhaps 
you're comfortable thinking that things are going to go your way. We have to be obedient whether things go our way or not. Amen? And, and here's what that means. That means you have to share the gospel with that person God's been putting on your heart without any guarantee that they'll respond and receive Christ. That means that you have to forgive that person whether they respond in kindness and forgive you or whether they cuss you out. That means you have to do that thing that God has called you to do because it's obedience to Jesus. And it's bigger than the outcome because the outcome is in God's hands. If I had a guarantee that if I go to a restaurant and eat out today and I share faith, my faith with the waitress or the waiter and they fall down on their knees in tears and they accept Jesus right there in the restaurant, buddy, you better believe I'm going in there to tell them about Jesus. But I don't have such a guarantee. All I have is whatever God puts in my heart that he's telling me to be obedient to. You have gifts, you have callings. Some of you have served even in this church in ways, man, where you found so much joy in the past of doing certain things in this church. And for whatever reason, you're sitting on the sidelines. Get off the sidelines. Get off the sidelines. Maybe, maybe it's time for you to get re-engaged again. And yeah, it'll be different than it was before. I guarantee it. And some things may be a little harder than it was before. There's always that change, conflict, growth. But, but I promise you, that if you say yes to Jesus and if you say yes to what he's put on the inside of you and you don't let that fear keep you back, I guarantee you, you will grow. God will be glorified in you and through you. So I want to see us get off the sidelines, church. Whatever that sideline may look like for you. So Lord, help us do that. Jesus, you're working in this place. I feel it. Holy Spirit, you are moving in this place. I feel it. I know it. I sense it. I believe it. I know that where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of us. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would speak to every heart in this place and every heart watching online, and I pray that you would stir in people's hearts like never before. Lord, if they need to come to a place of repentance, then draw us to a place of repentance. If we need to come to a, a, a place of fresh obedience, bring us to that place. If we need to come to a place where our eyes are open to the beauty of the gospel and we put our faith and trust in Jesus as our hope for salvation, then draw us to that place today, Lord. Do whatever you need to do in every heart we ask. Lord, I know you're, if, if you're calling us to get off the sidelines and stir up the gift, and say, yes, help us do that, Lord. If you're calling us to forgive, give us the boldness and the courage to have that conversation. If you're calling us to let go of the past and the hurt, help us to find healing and step, take a step, take a step. Lord, if we're here and we need prayer, let us take that step. Pray for one another and love each other. We thank you for it in Jesus' Thanks again for tuning in online. Our in-person service times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. To learn more about BCC, visit us at bettendorfcc.com. Have a great day.